So earlier we were discussing the, the Biden spin. And that's, that's very, very real. The Biden spin is in overdrive. The, the pretend that somehow things went well over the weekend, it, it didn't go well. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC, good morning. And while if they don't want to discuss it, that's, that's, that's fine. Um, uh, we, we will. We will go over it like we're going over all of these things. Uh, especially when it comes to this Florida bill. Um, Ron Perlman, the actor, referring to Governor DeSantis as a Nazi pig. That's always classy. That's always stylish. Uh, and I'm, I'm uh, responding to someone right now who says that my typical short sentence shorthand a la Rush Limbaugh. Okay. You can lump all liberals together, but connecting you to bullish, boorish, Cruz Gates... Trump crowd always has you ducking. What? That's what I said. No one understand. Uh, no one understands what he means. But uh, he works with a group uh, here in in my uh, Indianapolis called Child Advocates, and Child Advocates has as resources how to be anti racist, white fragility, and the 1619 Project. So here's what I'm writing. Don't. Oh yeah. Twitter's toxic. Tony. Don't do this. Oh, it's too late. Oh, no. Look what you did, Twitter person. Uh, shame on you for teaching children <laughs> to hate themselves. Oh, my God. You're doing this live? Am I supposed to listen to someone whose organization recommends the 1619 Project? Shame on you and shame on you for teaching children to hate themselves. I think that's right. It is, but why? Because you know it's not going to be productive. Well, well, I think it's important that people know that if you're part of an organization that actually embraces Howard Zinn, the 1619 Project, white fragility, and anti-racist baby, this is not an organization that I think people should be supportive of. This can't do good. It's only meant to hurt kids. And if you're going to call yourself child advocates, I think you should help kids. One man's theory. Other people can see it differently. But it's, it seems to me like this is hateful stuff. I, I don't appreciate hateful stuff, so I'm speaking about it. Maybe it'll change them. Maybe they'll get better because of my tweet. I'm Tony Katz. Too bigot. Now, Poppy Gabe on Twitter, he's angry with me. Oh, he wants to smash. Or is it Gabriel Steele 6? I don't know who he is. At least own up to it and stop gaslighting people. The right created a problem that doesn't exist and solved it in the worst way possible so they could make it look like they're doing something useful. Because Florida has no other real problems. Where are the adults? Well, Florida has been dealing with real problems, like, for example, wanting people to be able uh, to to utilize uh, uh, those antibodies, those monoclonal antibodies in order to deal with COVID. But it was the Biden administration acting like a bunch of children that prevented the adults from being able to do adult things in Florida. So there's one example. But let's go back to this lie that you just told. Now, maybe you don't know it's a lie, but let me help you. Let me help you because I'm a guy who helps people. That's what I do. I'm a giver. I'm a giver and I'm a helper. I'm a helper and I'm a giver. Oh, it's a twofer. I help, I give, I give, and I help. A problem that doesn't exist. 
Which, which thing are we talking about here? What problem do you think doesn't exist? The idea of sexualizing children? Well, that absolutely exists. And we have seen numerous pieces of evidence. An enormous amount of evidence that shows that there are schools and school districts and teachers and administrators everywhere who are engaged in sexualizing children, wanting to engage uh, gender, uh, what what do they call it, Uh, gender affirming to kindergartners and first graders and put all of this in their place. You get to decide your pronouns. No, you don't. Boys are not girls and girls are not boys and that is not something that is up for debate. And you, you can, can call yourself whatever you like. Live your life as you see fit. You just can't make me do it. And to try and make me do it is such hatred and such bigotry. And we should be clear. You're asking me to lie to myself. And you're asking me to lie to others. And there can be nothing more hateful than that. Well, Tony, it just makes them feel better about themselves. It's not a big deal. I do not live so other people can feel good about themselves. I cannot be told to live less of a life so somebody else feels better about their life. That is unfair to both of us. But you told me it's not happening. Let me share with you a parent in Florida. This parent who explains what a school did to her kid. In September of 2020, my daughter told me after school she had a meeting with school officials that was held behind closed doors where they asked her which restroom she wanted to use. I immediately contacted the school and was told by the guidance counselor and assistant principal that I could not be given any information regarding the meeting and that by law, my daughter had to be the one to authorize my notification of the meeting or attendance to the meeting. In other words, school officials asked my 13-year-old child her permission as to whether or not my parental rights would be honored. After many weeks of going back and forth with the district, we learned the middle school had created a transgender, gender non-conforming support plan with our 13-year-old daughter without our knowledge or consent. The plan was a six-page document completed with my daughter behind closed doors with three school officials that included the guidance counselor, the assistant principal, and a social worker I had never met. Now tell me that this isn't happening. Tell me that this isn't happening. This parent is telling you her story. She's a liar. We have seen this play out in numerous places. The cleaving away, as we've discussed on this show, cleaving the parent away from the child and somehow deciding that the child can make their own decisions. They can make their own medical decisions. They can make decisions uh, about who they vote for, right? And they should be able to do it at 16 years old. They can therefore have agency and they can decide who they love. The parent is there just to make a baby and say goodbye. I mean, that's, that, that it is what it is what it is. You calling this parent a liar? Because this parent's not done. During the meeting, they asked her questions that could have significantly impacted her safety and her physical and emotional well-being, such as which restroom she preferred to use and which sex she preferred to room with on overnight field trips. 
The plan also directed school staff to use my daughter's birth name when speaking to us, her parents, and to use a different name in school with teachers, staff, and students. This plan directed school staff to conceal from us that this meeting and plan had ever taken place. When parents are excluded from critical decisions affecting their child's health and well-being at school, it sends the message to children that their parents' input and authority are no longer important. This created a huge wedge between our daughter and us because it sent the message that she needed to be protected from us, not by us. Social transition is a medical and mental health intervention that can lead to significant decisions that will impact the child's mental and physical well-being. Often social transition is the first step toward medical transition and schools are grossly unqualified to be taking these steps without parental involvement. Unfortunately, what happened to my family is not an isolated incident. I have been contacted by parents all over our state who's had their rights violated in the same manner. Parental involvement in a child's education is considered by many education experts to be the most important factor in student success. This is well known and documented, yet schools have been systematically cutting parents out of critical decisions being made with their children, painting them as enemies to their children with no due process. Parents know and love their children more than anyone in this world. I have always told my children my number one job is to keep them safe, and this school took that away from me. For the safety of our children, these parental rights violations must stop, and school districts must be held accountable when they break the law. Thank you, Governor, for signing this law. Now, should I take her word for it? Or should I take Bigot Ibram Kendi's word for it? I think the Florida law should go further. K through sixth grade. We don't sexualize elementary school kids. I didn't realize this would be something that is controversial. We don't teach them gender identity. Now, we should go further because children cannot determine their own gender. Now, this may upset some of the people on Twitter, but I can't worry about that because children cannot determine their own gender. They're children. This is really the crux of it. And you've heard me discuss this before, but it's important that as people get involved in some of the periphery things, we need to stay focused on the key thing. Children cannot determine their own gender. First, if you allow that, you're giving the children agency. They're able to make decisions for themselves. Then what of what value is the parent? So if, if, you, if you give on that, you are, as a parent, pushing yourself out the door. That, that, that's what's happening. But second, children are children for a reason. We have made the determination through the millennia that 18 is the age of adulthood. That has been the determination we have made. We had to create a cutoff. We determined that it was 18. Now this group of Marxist freaks walks in and says, nope, it should be 12. 12-year-olds can determine who they love. 12-year-olds can determine if they want to have relationships with adults. After all, they know what's best for them. And what should the parent be able to do? They were raised to be bigots. They don't understand the importance of these things. They're not woke like us. This is the argument 
being made by people who believe you should sexualize second graders and teach them about gender. And you can choose your own gender and believe that children can do this and believe in the idea that there should be transition closets. Well, you go to school in the clothes that your parents send you in. Yeah, you just go to those, into those schools, but we have a closet. And then you change in that closet. You change into who you really are, like you're Superman. I'm not making that up. That's what a teacher actually said. Now, I agree, it's certainly not all teachers, but it is far too many teachers. Far too many. And one would be far too many. So here we are. Here we are looking at this legislation in Florida and liars like Ibram Kendi and liars like uh, Wanda Sykes from the Oscars lying about what it is. Oh, and Russell uh, uh, on Twitter, I I responded to him uh, on Twitter. He never read the bill either. Sheila is asking me a question. My God, why are we even having to have this conversation? Well, I'll I'll gladly... um, I'll gladly tell you why we're having to have this conversation. Because parents gave up paying attention to education 30 years ago. They ceded it to uh, the left, and they said, you know what, this is just the way it is, everything works, just send your kid to school, it's fine. And universities put out more and more leftists, more and more progressives, more and more radicals who believe more and more not in an American way of life, but in the Marxism that tears down Western culture and Western civilization, which includes religion and the family. And they proceeded to do this in the university setup, and we have watched it happen, and we have discussed it happening slowly but surely and bit by bit. And we have talked about college now for the last 10 or 15 years and the problem that it has. And then they said, well, we've graduated all these people, we've indoctrinated them into our radicalized way of thinking, into this hateful, bigoted way of thinking. Okay, now let's take the high schoolers and the middle schoolers and the elementary schoolers. Start them really young. Why? It's tougher just to, to grab them in college. Let's grab them when they're seven. Because their ideology does not call for a respect of childhood. It calls for power and control. And in order to get their power and control, the family unit has to stop existing. Religion cannot matter. The nation has to be destroyed from the inside. And any nation that would sexualize sexualize children is a nation that will be destroyed from the inside. That's Ibram Kendi. I dare you to take me on on the subject. Come on, lefties. Come on, commies. Let's go. Your problem with me, your problem with us, is that we got to figure it out. We see it. We see it. And we're fighting it. And so you throw everything you want, everything you can, to try and get us to stop every bit of name calling, every bit of screaming of culture wars, every bit of lying, this doesn't exist, this isn't a problem. Lying about legislation in Florida, that dog won't hunt. We see you. We're going to fight you. We're going to win. Our kids' lives are worth it. I'm Tony Katz.
The NFL owners getting together, changing the rules. Both teams will now be assured of getting the football in overtime during the postseason. This, according to sources, according to Adam Schefter of, of ESPN, to which Buffalo said, seriously, shut your face. Ugh, terrible rule. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. How you doing? What's going on? Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. It had to change. No, it did. It had to change. Tony. It had to change. You, you can't base your decision off of one instance in um, one playoff series. Yet, yet here we are. <laughs> Touche. So it had to change. But I think the other one that is most ridiculous is the change to the Rooney rule. Wait, what? The Rooney rule is changing. So the Rooney rule was originally the idea that you had to interview a candidate of color for a head coaching job. Minority candidate, yeah. Minority candidate, is that how it's referred to? That's how it's referred to. Uh, There is no rule about minority candidates for running back. I guess there is true. no rule about minority candidates for safety. It just doesn't exist. We decided that there was a bigotry only in certain places, not in all places. I find that to be ugly. I also would find it ugly if you're not hiring the best person, but you're hiring the person who most looks like you. That's messed up in my world. But they have now added to the rule, adopting a a new rule, that uh, all 32 clubs must employ a female or a member of an ethnic or racial minority to serve as an offensive assistant coach. Wait, required to? Required. Uh... They don't get to hire who they think is the best. They don't get to hire who the head coach needs to start building the offense that they're interested in. They They have to hire to a quota. Well, they're going to just say you're an offensive assistant, and that's going to be a token position. Right. So I learned something new the other day, um, and it's the concept of black up. Yeah, you never heard that? I had never heard black up in all my life. Do you know what black up is? Let me let me give you uh, an example of, of, of black up. You are um, a professional. Pick, pick your industry, you're black. You now get calls. You get calls from everybody you know, people you don't know, inviting you to serve on their board of directors, to serve on the board of this group and that group. Why? Because they need a black man, or they need a black woman, or they need a Hispanic woman, and they call and they call. They're not interested in you and what abilities you have, what it is that you offer. No, they're interested in the color of your skin and how good it will look in the photo they take to send to all their stockholders to say, see, we're really diverse. It's a lie. And if the NFL owners want to lie, they're more than welcome to. But it's a lie. They're not engaged in a conversation of diversity. They're not hiring to their best effort. They are hiring to a photograph they can put out to others. We're the 32 billionaire owners of the NFL, and we feel so freaking guilty about everything all the time, everywhere, that we'll spend a couple extra bucks on this position that won't hurt us at all. What's it going to cost us? $68,000 a year? Here you go. That's my beer budget.
No, no, no. <laughs> not for the year, for today. Wow. This is nonsense. This is bigotry. And NFL owners are absolutely involved in bigotry by approving rules like this. And let me say that Art Rooney, even though he may not have meant to be engaged in bigotry, to push the idea, or, or the, the rule being named for him, um, uh, that you, you had to offer these uh, opportunities, or you have to at least do the interviews, it was bigotry. How many black head coaches... Came in for interviews because, all right, we just have to do this to satisfy the NFL. You know how it goes. You want some coffee? Yeah, just hang around for an hour and then you can go. We're not hiring you. But we got to bring you in to make it look like it. You know how it goes. You know how the game is played, right? <laughs> hey, hmm. uh, how are the kids? Oh, that's, that's great. Excuse me, I have to go do something now. That's what it is. There's no other way to see it. To even pretend that it provides a value is to lie to oneself in a way I don't think is very helpful. This is hate. Pure, raw, unadulterated hate. And that NFL owners go for this? I mean, they're looking at, at, at their fan base and others are like, yeah, we don't care about you. I mean, it gets in cover. Yeah, of course it does. Of course it does. It, it, it is absolutely cover. What they're doing with this is just like all those companies did when they gave to the, uh, to the organization Black Lives Matter, that grift. Uh, they paid for their freedom. It's exactly what happened. They paid for their freedom. They cowered in the corner and said, please don't hurt us. Here, here's money. This is how good we are. Aren't we good? Just tell us we're good. We'll be good. And then Black Lives Matter said, this organization is good. And they said, that's right, we're good. Not like you bigots. <laughs> we're allowed to call them bigots, right? Ha <laughs> ha, you bigots. And then that was it. You think any of the groups that actually wrote a check to Black Lives Matter, the organization, actually cared? They didn't care. They cared that they didn't get called racist. They cared that there were no protests in front of their offices. That's what they cared about. They bought their freedom. They lied. And the NFL is full of crap, full of garbage with this. By the way, hire women, hire Asians, hire Hispanics, hire somebody who'll help you win. This is the part that always gets me. This is the part that blows my mind. If, if, you, if you really um, tell me that there are NFL owners who have something more interesting in their lives than winning. Right? I, it never dawns on me that Jim Irsay, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, is interested in anything other than winning. Carson Wentz gone, Matt Ryan in. He's only interested in winning. And he got, as I think the expression would go, he got bamboozled or flimflammed or hornswoggled uh, regarding Carson Wentz and was so mad about it he clearly said to Coach Reich and to the GM, Chris Ballard, this isn't going to work. Fix it. Correct. That's, that's correct, right? If Jim Ursay said there's a jellyfish who will make my team better, he would hire that jellyfish. Thus, he would hire anyone. He would hire anybody, black or white, Asian or Hispanic, man or woman. He would hire anybody who made it better. Correct. Right? Now, you could argue 
that there aren't as many women in professional sports uh, in football as men. Well, that's true. There's some that's absolutely that. true. But that is something that will change over time. You can't rush it. You got to have the qualified people, and they have to build their way into positions like everybody else. That's how it has to go. To force it is to create a problem that you took somebody who maybe doesn't have a skill set and decided they get this job, and therefore they get other jobs, but they never actually learn the skills. You got to learn it. I could not walk into the Colts organization and be an offensive assistant. There's no way. Do I think they're just going to pick people off on the streets? No. Do I think that you got to have people who grow into it? Yes, I do. But if you're going to say, well, we just got to, we just got to appoint them, that's, that is trying to buy love. That's trying to buy love right there. And that's ugly. That is ugly as sin. Now, there was another story I wanted to get to. Should I get to it now? Is that, can I do it now? Is that all right? Yeah, yeah you okay, can do I'm it good. now. That's fine. Um, I have been paying attention to where the markets are going, as, as, as many people are. And I've been paying attention uh, to uh, the oil prices. Right now, the Dow is up 136. The NASDAQ is up 183. I find that pretty uh, 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 amazing. I find it pretty incredible that they're up and they're going to base it on what? They they hope for the best in, in Ukraine? That's weird. But oil prices, barrel prices have gone down. They were they were da- they were up to 140, it was down to 100, it was back up to 120 something. Now it's back down to 110, 105. That's very very interesting. As these things uh move right now, wait, where is it right now? 109? Do I have that right? Brent crude is at $109. It's $110. Brent crude's $110. West Texas is $104. But there was a story about Americans buying less gas. So if we can't necessarily trust the market to give us um, a good idea, right? Because the Wall Street is very different than Midwest Main Street. And it always has been. And Midwest Main Street is suffering. Wall Street continues to move. And you can't necessarily take a look at where the oil price is per barrel and kind of figure out where where gas prices are going to go and, and how this plays into the economy. Let us take a look at one-third of adults reporting driving less. This from News Nation Now. The, uh, as, as of yesterday, the average uh, in the U.S. for a gallon of regular gas uh, was 437 that's the average across the country. But a third of adults are driving less. That right there is the problematic number. So sometimes when we take a look at, 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 at markets, sometimes when we take a look at um, whether, whether it's stock market or whether we take a look at oil uh, prices, it doesn't tell a full and complete story. But this, I think, does. If a third of adults are driving less, that means a third of adults are changing a significant number of habits. Yes, they're driving less because they don't want to spend the money on gas because they don't have the money, maybe. But if they're driving less, that means they are driving two places less. Those places could also be places that are engaged in a level of spending. 
whether it's picking up a soda or grabbing a slice of pizza or buying a shirt or going to the movies or whatever, whatever that case may be. The driving less means spending less, which increases the problem of an economy with high inflation and having uh, supply chain issues and continues us down the road towards stagflation. High inflation, right? Mixed uh, with, with basically no end in sight. It's the best way I could explain it. And I found that to be this, this, this study to be the to be the real issue here. The first proof of changing habits that are going to change how things go in the United States, to change the length of the problem that we have. If people were still driving and said, you know what, we're going to drive anyway, then you can argue that some spending would at least still take place in the, in the, on, on the fringes, right? The little things. Well, ask a place how many sodas can add up to a lot. Also, can we start talking about the places that are charging $3.50 for a Diet Coke? We've seen restaurants do this before. We're like, all right, that's crazy. This is becoming more and more common. The increase in prices everywhere. Never mind in the restaurant world that they're having the supply chain issues and you're going to see uh, food issues because, well, we are. And those food issues will have something to do with what's going on in Ukraine, but it certainly won't be a totality. The empty shelf thing that we're seeing in stores will continue on and on because there won't be enough people spurring enough economic movement because any savings that they've had are getting spent out because of the higher costs of the basic things. And we're going into summer. What happens when the stagflation exists and I should say sticks around and we get into winter? Now, I will say that we thought we were going to have serious problems with home heating oil this winter. We didn't hear too many stories about it in the middle of the winter. We heard them as they, we were coming in. Does anyone believe that it won't be a problem for 2023? Not me either. It's going to be a problem. This study, to me, was the, this was the one. People are changing their habits. And that's not a good sign for the economy. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Look, I don't mind people challenging a position, but man, you got to actually be prepared to do it in a way that, you know, makes sense. That is rational. If you tell me you represent children and you think people should read books like How to Be an Anti-Racist and White Fragility and Howard Zinn, you doesn't seem to me like you actually care about kids. You care about ideology, but you don't actually care about children if you think those things are going to stop racism as opposed to continuing bigotry. That's obvious. Over at Vassar, we once again see 
exactly how low journalism has sunk. As the story goes, at Vassar, they were going to have the former Secretary of uh, Homeland Security, Jay Johnson, show up. But Jay Johnson didn't come because kids on the school campus were very upset about his migrant deportation policies. You see, he's a leftist, but he's not leftist enough. Remember, it's always a moving goalpost. But the paper issued an apology for the article they wrote about it because the article primarily quoted white students. And the majority of our quotations came from white students, and therefore we reduced the positions of students of color to a singular tokenized perspective. Hey, you send your kids to Vassar at your own risk. That's what you do. You know what I mean? That, that, that's who they are. How could they ever find happiness? How could they ever find joy? How? And are these people you would want as, as, as people sharing news stories with you? Do you think they know how? Yeah, I don't think they. I don't think they know how either. On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. TonyKatz.locals.com. Check it out right now. This is Tony Katz today.